Uh, greetings wherever you are, and welcome to the Ministry of Propaganda. I'm your intern host, Richard Nixon, and these are the top stories of the week from around the world. We got a real mess on our hands, folks. A bunch of top-secret Pentagon documents have been leaked on social media, exposing the U.S.'s deep penetration into Russia's military and intelligence services. And if that's not bad enough, it looks like we're spying on our closest allies, too, including Ukraine, Israel, and South Korea. Sure, we've been able to pass on crucial intel to Ukraine, but now that we've exposed our sources, they're in even deeper trouble. And don't even get me started on how this leak is screwing up our relationships with our allies. On Friday, investigators in the U.S. arrested a 21-year-old man in connection with the leak. The man, Jack Texera, was a member of the intelligence wing of the Massachusetts Air National Guard, and he oversaw an online gaming group of racist, God- and gun-loving teenagers, where he thought it would be a good idea to share the top-secret documents. Great job, Tessera. Those distinguished gentlemen, Rich and Chris, will be going into the contents of the leaked secret documents in detail in just a moment. In stranger news, the Dalai Lama, of all people, apologized after a video surfaced online showing him kissing a boy on the lips and then saying to the child, Suck my tongue. I mean, what the heck, Dolly? A creepy old man. President Biden is in Ireland this week. Uh, President Biden's five-day visit to Northern Ireland and Ireland is filled with sentimental Irishness, but is he actually doing anything diplomatic? He'll be celebrating the Good Friday Agreement, which ended sectarian violence 25 years ago. Let's hope he's not just there for the photo ops. Meanwhile, this week, China has been busy with their military exercises for the past few days around Taiwan. And it looks like it's their response to the visit of Taiwan's president, Tsai Ing-wen, to the U.S. They're doing air and sea combat drills on all sides of Taiwan. And they're even having a live fire exercise near Ping Tan, a Chinese island facing Taiwan. Taiwan reports that China sent 71 military aircraft around the island, including 45 that crossed the median line in the Taiwan Strait. They usually don't do that. Macron visited China this week, too, along with some um, Ursula something or other EU leader. The French leader is not playing along with the U.S. efforts to put China in check. Macron's European priorities are different from the U.S.'s. And, of course, he drew flack for saying that Taiwan is not Europe's problem. The guy is trying too hard to be independent, and it's not working out too well. He's even suggesting that Europe can't be a vassal of the U.S. on issues about Taiwan security. Yeah, right. Someone might remind him of the thousands of protesters marching and burning trash in France against his pension plan. Speaking of which, the Constitutional Court in France on Friday just approved those very pension reforms. Will this lead to more protests? A Macron, my Dan, only time will tell. On the economic side of things, the IMF cuts its forecast for global growth yet again. Japan, Germany, and India are all expected to experience lower growth. While Chinese state media reports that Tesla will build a factory in Shanghai to make megapacks, its large-scale batteries, apparently China is also leading in the race for the next big thing in rechargeable batteries. They want to replace lithium with sodium, which is way cheaper and abundant. Good for them. Shareholders are gathering in Washington for the annual spring meeting of the World Bank. A.J. Banga, huh? Expected to be confirmed as the bank's president. He better be ready to answer some tough questions about how he's going to use the bank to tackle climate change. 
and he's from the developing world. Big whoop. We'll see if that actually makes any difference. Banga has to walk a fine diplomatic line. He better not trip up because he's been nominated by the Biden administration to weaken China's influence in the developing world. Turning to some news from Africa, the two generals ruling Sudan after a coup 18 months ago are supposed to hand over power to a civilian government this week. Let's hope they actually do it and don't find some way to cling to power. And in Yemen, a new round of talks to end eight years of civil war is made more interesting by the surprise rapprochement between Saudi Arabia and Iran, who have been backing opposing sides in the conflict. Let's see if they can actually come to an agreement and bring some peace to the region. Speaking of peace and conflict, North Korea also fired a ballistic missile this week, just to remind us they're still around. And finally, there was a deadly bombing attack in rebel-held territory in Myanmar. Apparently, it's the worst since the junta seized power in a coup last year. At least 100 people, including 30 children, are confirmed dead. Will the violence in Myanmar ever end? It's unimaginable to me that someone could carelessly drop bombs in Southeast Asia. Well, that's all from uh, me for this week. Please like, share, and subscribe. Now, over to our host, Rich and Chris. This is the Ministry of Propaganda helping you think. Thank you, Richard Nixon. Um, yes, tonight we are going to be talking about the leaked documents that have come out uh, in the, over the last sort of week. Uh, even though they've been sitting on Discord servers and War Thunder servers and uh, chats uh, of games, video game chats for a few months, um, they've all come out, uh, these leaked documents, which we've all been hearing about, uh, which do give an assessment, a very top secret and secret assessment of the situation in Ukraine, at least from the NATO side, from the US side. Um, there are over 100 documents um, that were leaked. Um, we haven't been able to access all of them yet. Uh, if we get more, we will obviously go through them. Um, but we're going to look at about maybe six or eight of the ones, the main ones, which have been published on the New York Times and shared elsewhere. Um, primarily, we've got some from Glenn Greenwald, the famous journalist who also uh, helped out with Edward Snowden. Um, but yeah, Chris, so pretty excited to go through this. This is a very interesting leak. What are your th initial thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, so straight away, the fact that you've said Edward Snowden, um, one of the sections of these leaks obviously deals with what's apparently been a revelation again, that America's spying on all of its allies. Um, obviously, everyone seems to have forgotten that this was already common knowledge news. Edward Snowden showed us, I think the Simpsons movie showed us before that. We, we know at this stage that America spies on everybody. It's almost quite embarrassing that this got pulled up and questioned with Biden whilst he was stood next to the president of uh, Ireland, having to defend the fact that he is spying on his allies yet again. Uh, so it is incredibly embarrassing for anybody in the American government today and uh, all around quite a hilarious development. Yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose we should just deal with this one while we start on the validity of these documents. So uh, everyone keeps referencing Operation Mincemeat, which was the operation to stuff a bunch of seemingly important battle plans relating to D-Day in World War II into the body of a, a sailor um, and putting him in a, an officer's uniform and the Germans found this body and it was you know designed to be a decoy so that they thought that the landings in World War II, D-Day landings would happen in Calais and not at Normandy. So everyone keeps referencing that, you know, don't forget this kind of happens, this kind of thing happens, misinformation. Um, so that that is still actually a discussion, uh, but I think 
you know, as time is going on and more sort of fallout from these documents is, is happening, I do think these are actually genuine because the advantage given uh, in the on the battlefield, if this was a decoy, versus the fallout from you know from South Korea, from Egypt, um, also even for you know for the um, the UK. Um, one of the things we'll go into here is the special forces, the fact that we have fifty special forces in um, Ukraine along with other nations too. So I I, th I am leaning towards them being valid. It still could be a decoy. There could be some. You know, it could be a mixed bag, uh, a decoy in some senses, but I don't know. It does seem to me that the political fallout doesn't seem that worth it. I don't know what your thoughts on that, Chris. That one. Yeah, I think uh, beginning when the when the leaks first became public, there was um, the allegation that it could be uh, misinformation aimed at confusing uh, both sides. Uh, I think that's starting to sort of wear thin now. That it's very much likely that these are genuine um well, more so than likely 95 percent sure that these are genuine documents not misinformation that's not to say that some documents have been that have made it online haven't been tweaked afterwards people nudging numbers to make them higher or lower uh death counts per se on either russia side or ukraine side to make one side look worse than the other um mm. but obviously obviously these, these are minor adjustments after the fact i think that as you said the content of these is so embarrassing it's not it, it would be a home goal for it to be misinformation showing that america have been basically spying on their own allies and that america's allies have been making deals with the russians and that mm. the it's things with um, the israelis that we're going to get into mm -hmm. there's too much there that wouldn't make sense for it to to be misinformation right Right, exactly. And of course, yeah. the fact that there's been arrests as well, which is... Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. The, the arrest as well, which happened, I think, whatever, in the last 24 hours of this um, yeah. uh, this guy. I, I mean, that part is quite confusing to me, just to mention that brief, briefly. What was his name again, Chris? You got the pronunciation just a moment Jack ago. Jack Teixeira. Jack Teixeira. Spanish-Portuguese yeah. name. That's better than anything else I can come up with. So Teixeira. Yeah. So what, what I found interesting about this guy is he's 21. Yeah. Um, I, from what it seems, a non-commissioned, not an officer, he's, and I don't, he might even be a, a very low rank, it might even be a, the equivalent of a private, and it's a National Guard unit. So at best, he's um, an assistant or a collator in yeah. some you know, headquarters somewhere. I believe he was in, uh, it's, it's in a really it's a very small, insignificant base, actually. But um, the bottom line is it's quite sort of, Shocking. If this is the case, if it is valid, which it appears to be, they're now locking him up um, with leaking these documents, is such a low level, uh, such a low ranking individual, 21 as well, um, getting top secret documents. So, I mean, I, I was in the army to see a top secret document that is very, very, very rare. And you know, intelligence is always needs to know basis. Um, so the fact that he was handling this, I mean, it just it looks like a bit of a, a poor sort of operational security and, and intelligence security on the americans part um yeah to get you know a 21 a 21 year old who also um doesn't seem to be the most sort of sound mind who runs a, t a discord channel where he's the boss and he's called og and all this kind of yeah. stuff so um i think and that's it. It. this doesn't seem to have been like a when, when you when we had these cold war spies everything was like uh, the, the rosenbergs with nuclear who leaked nuclear secrets from the Americans and the, the Americans executed them. These uh, espionage were ideological. This doesn't mm. seem to have been that he's 
leaked it to his Discord channel, Thug Central. What is it called? Thug Shaker Central. Yeah. So he's done this for clout amongst his mates. Yeah. At least, at least, anything ideological there. He's literally just done it for for the lols. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the part that is really shocking. That yeah, this is not even a a leak with with you know state action. So. Uh, yeah. Just on that point of, of, of initially, they were saying, "Oh, it's a Russian." The Russians have leaked this. The Ukrainians, for example, said that it was a Russian operation. Um, there's no incentive for the Russians to release this. Um, why would they, dis- you know, disclose their sources and give away what they know? There's no reason for them to do that. Um, yeah. And but it was a public- gamer with a camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, let's um, let's jump into these documents. So we've got these from uh, Glenwald's Green Glenwald's uh, Substack. Um, you can yep. see them there yourself. So I'm going to go into the first one here that in his order that he presented them. Um, give me one moment. Okay, so the first one we have is, of course, the uh, status of the conflict as of the 1st of March. Okay, so obviously these are not, you know, uh, sort of straight out of the oven. They're a little bit little bit behind. So, yeah, we're talking about, what is that, six weeks nearly. Um, I'm just going to read the top line. So this one obviously gives you, yes, the status of the conflict overall as of the 1st of March. So this first sort of paragraph here is quite, um, you know, concise and gives you, you know, what their overall assessment is. Okay, um, so I'll just read it to you. As of the 1st of March, Russian and PMC Wagner forces um, uh, continue to focus on seizing Bakhmut, while the Ukrainian armed forces consolidated gains in the vicinity of Kherson, so IVO means in vicinity of, and reinforced defenses in the vicinity of Bakhmut, to protect its remaining G-log, which is ground line of communication from potential Russian advance in eastern Ukraine. Uh, Russian forces continued ground operations in Donetsk and were establishing a defense in depth between Kherson and Zaporizhia. The central and western groupings of troops were in the vicinity of Bakhmut and Krumina, while the southern and eastern grouping of troops were in the vicinity of Kherson and Zaporizhia oblasts. Okay, so, I mean, nothing... Um, overwhelmingly interesting, actually, from that line there, even though this is top secret. So <laughs> bear in mind that, um, yeah, this is the first time I'm seeing a top secret document. Um, in, in the UK, top secret documents are actually pink. The paper will be pink, but this is American, so I guess they don't follow that rule. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I mean, that first line, nothing particularly interesting. I mean, we knew there were troops in Bakhmut. We knew that there were troops in even Kirsten. It's quite logical. Um, and then you've got, yes, your map here, right? So you can see the green is where the you know Ukrainian assessed forces are, and red, obviously, with disputed territory, disputed areas, and whatever. Um, a bit of a mess here, so we're not going to go through all of that. But you can see the Ukrainians do have an importance on Odessa, so they've got a big cluster there. Um, obviously, a beach landing, and if they lost that, you know, sea port, that would be a pretty pretty dramatic thing for them. They would you know be cut off from exporting and importing all sorts of things. Um, and then, of course, yeah, you've got your big cluster around Kiev and. Uh, you know, up, up near near Kharkov and whatever. Uh, and then, you know, the rest is where you would expect on the front line. Um, any, any initial thoughts on this one, Chris? Um, no, not really. I'm sort of just trying to get my head around what it, what it sort of means, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it is just an assessment. So it's just, it's, so this is, I mean, I don't, we don't know what these documents were, um, you know, if what if this is just a root i mean this appears to be just a routine document so status of the conflict so this is just a brief um, yeah this is just sum. one pager isn't it just yeah yeah this is just a general briefing so um i don't think it's 
giving you plans and whatnot. So it's it's an overall assessment of of the the battle basically. Yeah. So in your left hand side, you've got you know how many Ukrainian forces are um, available, uh, Russian battalion counts, uh, and then obviously on the far left, you've also got you know ground, maritime, and air defense. Um, what happened? So actually, I'll read. There's a couple things on the left here which were quite interesting. So um, uh, it does talk about obviously the Wagner seizing um, platoon sort of size positions in Bakhmut. Now, bear in mind, this is obviously the 27th of Feb, that said, right? So, in fact, the fighting in Bakhmut has advanced in Russians, Russians' yeah. favor quite dramatically in the last six weeks. So um, this was actually, I think, Solodar had only just been taken a few weeks before this. So and that's the little uh, salt mining town just outside of Bakhmut, just south right. of it. Yeah, 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 exactly. So a lot has actually changed since this assessment. So uh, I think the current version of this will be a bit more, um, you know, it'll show, I think there'll be a little bit more dramatic. Uh, yeah, because Wagner are now at least taking the city centre. Uh, yes. Yeah. The city yeah. hasn't completely fallen, but it... Yeah. Yeah, and uh, what's interesting here then, of course, is that they also say that um, the F, uh, the uh, basically Ukrainian uh, special services, so Ukrainian spies, um, addressed that its agent in Belarus violated orders and attacked a Russian um, aircraft in a, in a Belarusian airfield. I believe it was a, a it's one of those aircraft with a big satellite on the back and electronic warfare aircraft that they attacked. Um, so yeah, but apparently this was not, they were not following orders, so breaking orders there um, because that's an attack in Belarus. Obviously that's quite important because, you know, Belarus hasn't, even though the Russians, you know, invaded uh, Ukraine from there, the Belarusians yeah. haven't committed themselves to the fighting yet. But if the Ukrainians start bringing the fight to Belarus, then maybe it might change the, the calculus on the ground, which is probably why they were not given those orders to attack Russian assets yeah. in Belarus. Um, yeah. Uh, there's just some stuff here about the R Russian Black Fleet doing torpedo tests, not particularly interesting. But then the one that I think the most interesting here, uh, sorry, two interesting things, is one is that, um, is that the Belgians refused. So yes, Belgians reported that it is unwilling to um, donate aircraft to Ukraine, but will consider providing uh, maintenance and logistics aid for other countries. So you can see a bit of a crack there amongst, uh, amongst NATO nations and European nations um, as to their supply and, and support operations for Ukraine. Yeah. Hmm. And the other one uh, was this one here. So this is a space in the space and cyber section is that the Russian aeros uh, aerospace forces addressed Sorry, um, one second. It is quite difficult to read these documents. Uh, yes, this is it. So forces um, assessed it successfully diverted a Ukrainian missile from its intended uh, course uh, by using some sort of electronic warfare. So using some sort of, yeah, they managed to counter a, a missile launched from Ukraine using electronic warfare. So this is another thing that's quite important with drones is these quadrocopters as well as other types of drones that are playing quite an important role in, you know, in the war, um, there are techniques being developed, electronic warfare techniques to counter them. Um, so this is, yeah, this is a development, I guess. Um, but yeah, any other thoughts on this one, Chris, uh, or anything, observations on this? Yeah, so obviously the document itself is a little bit out of date from now, but obviously we, I think we did a review around this time and it does seem to be holding true of, it's pretty much where we expected it to be. Uh, mm. Obviously, like I said, there's there's no plans on this document of where we're going. Uh, there's a section here, I can't really read this. Total assessed losses. Can you make out what that yeah. says? 
I'll read it out for you. Yeah, so total assessed losses, so assessed combat sustainability, moderate. So that's for Russia. And on this version of the document, the KIA, so killed in action statistic, is 35,500 to 43,500. So, yeah, that's the... U.S. assessment of how many Russian dead there are. But this is a bit confusing. So a lot of people, this has probably been the most discussed element of all of these documents, yeah. I would say. Um, because firstly, there was a debate as to what is the original. So some people say that Russian people on Telegram and whatever reposted this with the numbers switched. Um, and other people say the Americans did it. So it's 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 as we've said before, this statistic, the KIA statistic, the casualty statistic, is the most political statistic of the war. Um, so it, no surprise that that straight away is, is this smoke being cast on it. So, yeah, just to clarify then. So on this one, they put the Russians casualties at potentially up to 43,000 dead. OK, but the Ukrainian casualties only at 17.5 uh, KIA. Excuse me if I get this wrong, but it's, it's a, you know, this, as everyone knows, these, doc these documents are really blurry. But anyway. Yeah, 43,000 dead for the Russians and 17,000 dead for the Ukrainians, give or take. Um, that does seem this, like a fairly realistic yeah. number. Like, realistically, mm. the attacker takes more casualties than a defender. Mm. Mm. Uh, so mm. it makes sense for it to be this way around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if this is um, accurate, uh, if we recall when we did our six, uh, one year review, your total casualty rates, both sides were actually quite similar from various sources. So both were over 100,000, maybe 150,000. But yeah. if we assume that, you know, those are correct, then what we can see here is that if this is accurate, that the Russians are less able to um, save their wounded. Um, so their casualties have a higher death rate. Um, th it, this could be true. I mean, yeah, if this is, if this is accurate. I mean, uh, yeah. Bear in mind also, even though this is a genuine document, the assessments might be incorrect. So, yeah. so that's something like I said. I mean, we all remember Iraq, right? So that 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 in, that was intelligence. Yeah. intelligence and that's told them that also something I suppose right. that we're going to get in shot with um, the debate that's going on within Russia at the moment of the allegations that the FSB have been given incorrect numbers of Russian casualties. Um, but mm. the issue seems to be because there's so many agencies and so many factions fighting on the Russian side with Wagner and the. Uh, the, the conscripts, the professional soldiers, and the uh, ones who were brought in from the prisons. There's the issue of, of of double counting, and of course, certain agencies not knowing what counts. If you're saying, well, how many dead soldiers have we got? So what mm -hmm. do Wagner class as dead soldiers, or are they counting their own? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, I mean, statistics are right. Also, how you count things. Statistics are always... And what is it? Lies, damn lies, and statistics. So there's always different ways of counting things whenever you come to assessing anything. Yeah. So I, I believe there probably is a lot of confusion over that. And then also you have also the um, you know the DPR forces. Uh, yeah. Are they counted as Russian casualties? Are they separate? Um, if you count those in, that that would give you a higher Russian total. I think. Of course it would. Um, they're on the ground. They're fighting. Um, yeah. So yeah. interesting stuff. Anyway. Um, I mean, they obviously talked about vehicles too. So 6,004 ground vehicles lost by the Russians. Um, on the Ukrainian side, it doesn't give any vehicles, which I find a bit strange because um, you, you usually stick with the same metrics. But they've gone for um, 60 fighter bombers lost and 11 strategic SAMs. So that's uh, strategic 
surface to air missiles, so anti-aircraft yep. vehicles, um, and 34 tactical SAMs, so smaller SAMs for smaller distances. Um, yeah, uh, I think the last thing I want to mention on this, for, from my angle at least, is according to this assessment, the um, Russian battalion counts. Okay, so I'm not going to go through all of the stats because it gives you, you know, how many there are and which are in reserve and which are auxiliary and all this kind of stuff. But it's the commitment rate. So uh, committed in conflict, they say 527 of 544. I believe that's what it says, uh, which is a 97% commitment rate. So that, obviously that's not the entire Russian army. There's obviously loads and loads of Russian uh, forces still in Russia. Um, and the Air Force, of course, has not been committed, uh, you know, so this is obviously of the troops that they are that they've you know earmarked to be in the conflict so they say 97 percent committed um obviously some in reserve so they're not in fighting but they are committed to at least a position within within the conflict um, whether that's at the back or at the front um which that is quite a high commitment rate um yeah and then of course the other one is they say that um yeah so located inside ukraine 474 out of 527 uh, 80, 90% committed. So either, either of those statistics, wh whatever they mean, obviously, yeah, um, I might be a bit rusty on exactly the difference between committed and committed in country or located inside country, but it's 97 and 90, according to the Americans, which, um, is high. If, if it's true, it's a very high commitment rate. So it, it says to me that there's not a lot of Russian, um, you know, a reserve to commit so extra reserve. So if the Ukrainians do get a big boost, um, the Russians are going to need to also, um, either dig in and, and, and absorb the push, you know, by, by holding ground and fighting defensively, or they need to um, have another, you know, big, big um, recruitment drive, another mobilization of some sort. Yeah. And that does seem to be what the whispers on the Russian side are at the moment of um, an another mobilization coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's the first document. Um, just trying to see if there's anything last comments on this one. I mean, we've already said, Top secret. So, just for clarity, this this acronym here, no foreign. So this is for no uh, no foreign nationals. So, I guess we're, uh, we're 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 very lucky to see to be seeing this as as foreign national. Anyway, yeah. uh, there's a whole other bunch of acronyms here. It's just be worth just mentioning here then, just as you've said that is, um, mm -hmm. we're not entirely sure of the legalities of what we're doing. Um, leaks out, but that doesn't make these documents any less top secret. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure, as far as the Americans are concerned, these are still top secret. They haven't been declassified just because they've been leaked. Um, so there is very much, we are very much in a gray area. And just yeah. um, anecdotally, it may be worth mentioning that a lot of people haven't seen these documents because this seems to be some sort of throttle by network providers in loading these documents. We've experienced this today, trying to find these today, and it takes, in some cases, it doesn't load at all. In, in other cases, a few minutes to actually get the, the website to actually load. So it does seem to me yeah. that the networks have been given a, a collection of keywords to deprioritize. Um, yeah. If anyone else has experienced that, please let us know. Um, but that does seem to be the case. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, I mean, I'm following sort of Glenn Greenwald's lead on this one. These are the ones he's published. These are also the documents that have been published by the New York Times and are available on Twitter too. So I, I'm going to 
I'm going to hide under Elon Musk's umbrella <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and yeah. just say that well, you, know, you can't delete stuff from the internet. Sorry, buddy. Um, we'll see how that goes for me. Anyway, so <laughs> um, next one we've got then is um, actually we'll save the lethal aid from Israel to to last actually because I think that's a bit different. So let's go for the J3 daily update. Yeah. Um, so just I mean you've already seen this is a an episode full of acronyms. So welcome to the wonderful world of military acronyms. Um, so I will try and guide you a bit on this. Uh, so can you see that there, Chris? You got that? Yeah, I can see that. I'm zooming a bit. Okay. So uh, this is similar to the first document. So this is a, a joint staff J3, J4, J5 update. So J3 is operations. J4 is um, logistics. And J5 is sort of policy and other stuff, depending on what level you're at. But this is just a general operations and logistics update. Okay. Um, so yeah, again, a similar sort of just, you know, um, just sort of quite high view sort of this is what's going on, right? Um, this doesn't have a nice little summary at the top for us. So I'll just pick out some of the stuff that I think are the most interesting. Actually, yes, the most interesting bit on this thing is this little box here. So it says a US NATO special operations forces in Ukraine. So that's what SOF stands for. Okay. And then you have this nice little thing here, 14 times PACS. PACS is the military term for personnel, people. Okay, so the USA has 14 special forces soldiers in America. I'm uh, sorry, in Ukraine. Britain has 50, so the most. France has 15. Latvia has 17. And the Netherlands has one. So there's one lonely Dutch special forces guy there. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that's, that's there. And I think this is probably the most controversial one for at least the UK. Uh, because we've not been told, us, the public, the people who pay for this stuff uh, about our special forces being deployed. They are deployed in Ukraine, um, which is, you know, at least for some people in the UK, that would be controversial, having not consulted the public on the deployment of our special forces in a very, very, um, arguably very dangerous situation, which may lead to nuclear war. Um, so, yeah. And what happens if these guys get captured and what happens if they get killed or, or something like this? Uh, yeah. You know, that's it. If so, they get yeah. killed there, then they it then has to become public. There's very, there's it, it's then very difficult to suppress. Obviously, it's out mm -hmm. now. We know. Uh, we don't know who yeah. these individuals are. Um, yeah. But obviously, from the Russian perspective, they've been telling everyone that this is a war between Russia and NATO, hmm. and this little box pretty hmm. much confirms that that was true. We are yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. And there's also, I think, I, I, I stand to be corrected, but I do believe there was a denial made at some point that there were no soldiers, no boots on the ground. Um, yeah. You know, they might have said there's this, this, this people who are assisting with delivery and, and, you know, some other sort of terminology, but, and maybe embassy staff, but no, there was no boots on the ground. This is boots on the ground. Um, bear in mind that also, just to clarify that, uh, I mean, these might be, some of them, for the, depending on the nation, might be... Um, guards for embassies. I'm not sure, again, I have to be a bit rusty as to whether the British embassy has been opened again in Kiev. Um, I know the American one is. Um, but so at least for the Americans, they do outline that uh, there's 100 US PACs personnel in Ukraine. And of course, Department of State, 71 of them, Department of Defense, 29, and then all, courts, all sorts of other you know uh, individuals, these organizations here. So, so this is, for example, MSAU is the Marine Security Augmentation Unit. So this is the guys who guard the embassy. So I don't know. It, it might be the case that these are defending our diplomats. I don't know. But 
they're still special forces on the ground in in, in Ukraine. They're not. You, you could use uh, local. I mean, you could use police or something different to this. I don't know. It seems to me that they're on the, that this is a deployment. Yeah. Um. Then what else we got on this? Uh. So let me just zoom out a bit there. Okay. So uh, one second. This talks about meetings at the top left. Um. Some missile launches. One second, and then. I mean, kind of interesting over here is that it does tell us which, how many American ships and troops and where they are. So um, not in Ukraine specifically, so the special forces aren't mentioned, but what you can see here is um, you've got 52,000 troops in US European command. So that's uh, in Germany. It'll be uh, Rammstein and Rammstein. I think Stuttgart, yeah. Uh, and then also the ships. So it tells you that yeah the the George H W Bush carrier strike group is yeah in there they're somewhere in you know in Europe Central Command um, and then there's four submarines so there's four uh, four normal submarines and one strategic um, guided sorry, guided missile submarine somewhere in in, in, the, in the European area of operations so A O R right um, and then of course it says there's one thousand two hundred troops in Yasyunka I, I had to Google where that was so Yasyunka is the little Polish town across the border by Lviv. So that's where they are. Um, Just confirm, yeah. we will be offering a prize for anybody who can tell us where those submarines are. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> a wonderful prize. Um, <laughs> yeah, overall, this document, though, not particularly. I mean, there's, there's loads of detail. I mean, if you want, if you're watching this and you would like us to go through this line by one line, we can do that. Just have to comment and tell us that you would like that um, because we can. But it, a lot of it is just acronyms, death by acronyms, death by jargon. Um, yeah, you know, so we can do that. Um, just want to check if there was anything else here. Uh, yeah, Chris, any uh, sort of thoughts on this one? Any sort of um, feelings on this? Um, no, not really. I feel like the uh, personnel was the sort of bulk of the information on this. Yeah. Um, yeah. See, yeah. this is again, it's a slightly out of date. The fact that when this stated, what date? Twenty third of March. Twenty third of March. Yeah. Yeah, so obviously NATO, uh, Finland joined on the 31st. Yeah. Uh, so it's slightly out of date at this point. Uh, it'd be yeah. interesting to see if, unfortunately, with, yeah. with the kid getting arrested, I doubt there's any new documents coming, but it'd be interesting to see. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think the last thing for this one is just on the G4, so the logistics here, over here on the right-hand side. Um I mean, the G5 just mentions a couple of meetings, so uh, bilateral yeah. with the Italian chief of defense, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, logistics. So your GMLRS, that's the guided multiple launch rocket system. So these are the rounds for the HIMARS, the famous HIMARS rockets that, you know, um, have played such an important role in the, in the conflict, according to, yeah. Yeah, according to the West, according to the Ukrainians. Um, so it's very difficult to read this. Um, I can but see underneath it, there's something about a delivery of Patriots as well. PDA deliveries, if I'm uh, reading PDA that. deliveries, yeah, a Patriot, yes, en route, uh, non. <laughs> Next 24 hours, oh. non. <laughs> but bear in mind that this is a very particular window, so it doesn't necessarily mean there's none on the way at all. Uh, it, it just, just means, means it wasn't in this slither yeah, of time this, that we're capturing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, PDA deliveries, so I, I had to Google PDA. PDA stands for post-delivery availability. Um yeah, so I, I'm not a. I didn't do logistics, so I'm not a, an expert on that one. I'll have to 
yeah, I don't know whether that means that there's not that there's none coming at all, or whether it's this window. I would think it's this window, this particular period, because yeah, if you look later, you'll see we discuss the air defense. It seems they are sending Patriot stuff. Anyway, but the um, um, this on the right hand side has got a a date. And I think this is the last delivery date because if this is March 23rd, then 18th of March, you know, it can't, I thought some people have been saying it might be an expiry date when they're going to run out of rounds. It's not because this is already after the fact. Um, so yeah, but yeah, you can see this kind of sort of firing rates here. So I'm not going to, we're not going to go into the artillery sort of discussion yet because I think I haven't got the Russian statistics, but everyone knows it's been commented quite a lot that the Russians have far more ammo and are firing a lot more artillery. Um, yeah. Which is we've we've talked about this before. That the, the sort of quite obvious reason for that is that the Russians stockpiled from from the Soviet days. Everything, all that stuff's still good. It all still fires. Where America seemed to be much more of a, as they were with COVID masks, just on time and just enough sort of economy. If something's mm. out of date for the Americans, they they, they simply throw it away and replace yeah. it with a much more high tech, more expensive. But it means that everything's so finite for them. I feel like mm. this uh, situation that we're in now might be a catalyst for that for a change in uh, mentality going forward. Mm -hmm, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. It yeah. won't help them in this war, but it might help them in the next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should we move on to the next one? Um, yeah. We've got the combat makeup. Okay, so this one is quite. Uh, this, this I think this one is really interesting. Actually, uh, this one talks about the the upcoming april um or spring offensive i should say so let's yeah. get that up in here you come and make up so yeah this one talks about basically the readiness and what the upcoming spring offensive will have so vehicles where they're being trained um how many sort of yeah basically any issues with ammunition um training readiness rates equipment readiness rates and then just sort of other things where they're being located and all sorts of stuff. So it's quite a quite a quite a mess to look at. So don't let's not get lost in the woods on this one. So I, what I'll say is, or bring your attention to is, you've got your January, your February, March, April, and over here then your notes. Okay. So if you see on the top right there, you've got your spring offensive on that red sort of orange bar, and 31st of March and 30th of April. Okay. So I'll read the first line of this, and that, that'll then obviously you know all fall into place then so uh, as it says here um based on known contributions training pathways and projections 12 combat credible brigades can be generated for the spring spring counteroffensive three internally by ukraine not depicted and nine are trained and equipped by u.s allied and partner uh, of the nine brigades six brigades will be ready by the 31st of march and the final three brigades by the 30th of april Equipment delivery times will impact training and readiness in order to meet this timeline. Total equipment required for nine brigades is 253 tanks, 381 mechanized vehicles, 480 uh, motorized vehicles, and 147 artillery, uh, plus the delivery of 571 um, U.S. up-armored Humvees. Okay, so a lot of kit. It's a lot of kit. Um, it's, a, it's a big assault. I can't remember the statistic for how many tanks the Russians made the initial invasion with. But I don't think it's far off what you're talking about there. If you want to focus on one number, um, 381 tanks is a, is a decent amount of armor. Um, yeah, initial thoughts on that, Chris? Um, yeah, so obviously I think 
I've been able to look into the uh, Washington Post, did a, a sort of review of this and broke it down. Um, and by the looks of it, the analysis that they've come up with is that this doesn't look to be a tremendous as, as a counter, counter assault that they're going to be able to mount. Uh, they've actually used the words that it's going to only be able to pull back modest territory. Um, it doesn't seem to be a drop in the ocean that they would need. Mm. So I can't mm. see very... I, I still yeah. think that by the time we get around to our 18-month review, I can't see the territory tr changing very much. Yeah. I don't think it's yeah. going to make a difference for them. I, I'm curious about this. So uh, the NATO standard for an attack is three to one. You should always have three and the enemy should have one. That's yeah. the kind of number you're working off. I, I don't think the Russians have that little stuff that if we're just focusing on tanks, you know, what, what would that be like 70, uh, 70 tanks <laughs> holding, yeah. holding, holding the place where the, where, where the counterattack will take place. I mean, obviously this attack will take place in one particular, assumingly, one, maybe two particular. Also, places. when you just look at the numbers of 253 tanks. Uh, so let's go back on to what did we have in the last document of men? So America have got yeah. 14 men. So let's take it at the way that these are non-combatant. These are mechanics. Even with the British, another 50. Yeah. All together, we're talking like 100 men. 100 yeah. mechanics. Yes, it's 100. Yeah, 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 yeah. Working on this many vehicles. Is that these vehicles are going to need maintenance okay, well, just, after every yeah, other right, attack. Right. Well, just to clarify, so that those hundred special forces are in Ukraine. Um, we don't know what yeah. they're doing. Um, the training no, is don't. taking place outside of Ukraine. So um, the preparation and, and training for all of that is, is is involving probably all of NATO forces, uh, yeah. not just the, the It's just that hundred that are in in um, in country. Yeah. yeah, but I think a lot of this uh, weaponry being delivered, it is very much more for political optics than it is for actual tactical advantage. It looks good mm. in front of a public showing you're sending Ukraine these weapons. But when you're mm. sending it to a group of soldiers who don't know how to maintain them, don't know how to repair them, these aren't the same. If you can repair a Soviet T-16, T that doesn't mean you can repair one of these. These are completely yeah. different weapons. Yeah, yeah. I must say, this that, that's the, the observation without getting lost in describing each of these vehicles. But you've got stuff that's ex-Soviet, so it's some of it's 40 years old, some of it's 50 years old. Yeah. Um, you've got British stuff, British artillery. Then you've got American artillery. Then you have very old tanks, T-55, so fucking nearly 70-year-old tank. Um, you've then got German kit, French kit, Spanish kit. So the parts and, I mean, just also manuals. So, for example, I don't think there's <laughs> a Ukrainian manual <laughs> to fix a Spanish anti-aircraft gun. <laughs> that Simpsons episode where they're going to get a manual. What language is this? Oh, it doesn't. It's from a country that doesn't exist anymore. Just don't worry about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, if you just just on how many different pieces of kit here? So, all from all these countries. I don't know yeah. the percentage of English speaking. Uh, how many people in Ukraine can speak? You know, how many Ukrainian men can speak English and read it at a proficient mechanical level, where you can understand mechanical yeah. components. Um, I imagine it's quite low. So that's just a, a small thing that's, that's going to be a problem. But, I mean, they are spending a few months training on these things. So if you look here, I mean, some of them have been um, 
you know, training 60% completion, right? So, um, and they've been trained in Poland. Um, and for example, these guys starting to find a note here telling you, um, sorry, it was on the other document, but you know, you're talking about some, some of the training is sufficient, you know, two, three months. Here we go. Yeah. So, um, these guys are spending a month, um, training on these artillery guns, for example. Um, these guys are spending, uh, two, two months from January 13th of January to the 4th of March, um, on, you know, training on, on BMPs, um, uh, armored vehicles. So there is pretty good training. So just on, on a British, just to come to the British side of things. So these Challenger twos are very expensive Challenger two tanks. Um, yeah. yeah, so they're being trained. Let me just double check. Yeah. So they're being trained. They started training on them on the 30th of January and they finished on the 6th of March. Um, 14 of them. Um, but yeah, uh, they should be ready by, they should be in country by April. So by now they're, they're in country, uh, in Ukraine, but, um, I still think, yeah, the point still stands. Yeah. The spare parts, um, the language barriers, uh, this is yeah, it's a very difficult. Yeah, really, isn't it? Yeah. And you've got a Mad Max thing here. You've got vehicles from Afghanistan, as in British deployment to Afghanistan, American deployment. You've got old um, Soviet stuff. You've got modern German Afghanistan stuff, <laughs> Canadian stuff. It is a Mad Max wacky races yeah. um, combination of stuff. Yeah. Are um, you going to get from delivered it? assorted bags of tanks with assorted boxes of shells yeah. that fit certain yeah. tanks tire these and that but not in that yeah and yeah, they've yeah, all yeah. got like they said labeled with every language from here to <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I just, you, you don't envy yeah. anyone in that yeah. in that sort of logistical <laughs> right yeah yeah, this, this is not a simple uniform um, arrangement here. And also just on small things, you can see that even some of the tanks here, so there's 17 tanks for this brigade here, um, they don't haven't decided what they will be. So I don't know how you're going to train people for if they don't know what the tanks are going to be. Um, so, and, and these guys, this is, this is, this is one of the uh, more complete, this is the most completely trained group, um, but they're missing their tank, you know, as of, what is this, March, late March, they're missing their tanks. They don't have their tanks, um, so I assume they're not trained. Um, it's an assumption yeah. on my part, but yeah, um, it, it is a, a hodgepodge, a proper wacky races hodgepodge. Uh, just some notes on this. There was some notes about, yeah, so there's a problem with the ammo. So there's going to be a limited Challenger 2 ammo, apparently. And of course, there's also other issues we're getting to artillery ammo too, requiring ammo. Um, I, I don't, it's a bit strange to me that there would be, you know, you should know your stocks. Um, and if you're committing kit, you should, you know, know that about how, how many shells are going to be necessary for the deployment for, for the, for the battle. It's strange. And then, yeah, my, my final point for this one is it's important to see that the Ukrainians have only mustered three. So three of these brigades are actually from Ukraine internally generated by Ukraine. So the majority are, yeah, NATO. So if you're saying, oh, this is a proxy war for NATO, th this is where you can see the most vivid um, example of this. This is now a proxy war. This is nine brigades equipped with NATO kit um, and NATO training and NATO rounds. Um, so, yeah, I'd say this is the most vivid depiction of, 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 the, of, of, the, of the... And exactly. And this is exactly what the Russians have been saying. It reminds me of um, a joke that is currently going around Russia, that uh, America will fight Russia until the very last Ukrainian life. And that seems to be exactly what they're doing yeah. here. And it is, it's real, really is clear as day for anyone who who cares to look at this point, that this yeah. is a war between Russia and NATO. Yeah, yeah, 
Um, and yes, so if this document is still accurate and nothing has changed and it is valid, which it seems to be, we are, of course, over here, right? We're somewhere halfway through April. So the only stuff, so basically those six brigades are ready and I assume deployed or on, on route to be deployed. Yep. And your then remaining three uh, brigades, so of the nine, will then be ready in two weeks. And that then fits into your spring offensive somewhere. So yeah. we, if this is accurate, we should see the spring offensive after the 30th of April. I don't see why they would not wait for the remaining three brigades to arrive. Yeah. And it's interesting that uh, in terms of the ammo, this confirms the story that came out a few weeks ago now that was uh, shunned by by the the Western governments that mm -hmm. they were running out of ammunition. And this just confirms that that does seem to be the case. That obviously, mm -hmm. like we said, because Russia have got these stockpiles, America don't. And mm -hmm. it seems now, now that they are very close to completely depleting their stocks, basically. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, I also think it's, that's what people deducted from the that um, 155 millimeter ammo as well. That chart too, that the heavy, the heavy artillery shells. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, should we jump onto the air defense? Uh, the next one is the air defense, and then we'll go on to the lethal aid from Israel one. Yeah. Um, the air defense one is also pretty good. Um, this one is basically showing you when uh, they are going to run out of ammo <laughs> for the NTA <laughs> guns. Uh, it's pretty, I mean, I think this is probably the most um, alarming sort of document. So secret, this one, um, consolidated UAF air defenses. I'll read the, the, uh, the bluff. So current Ukraine air defense plan balances limited resources to protect critical national infrastructure, population centers, frontline of troops, and other key assets across Ukraine. Ukraine's ability to provide medium-range air defenses to protect the front line of troops will be completely reduced by May 23. Ukraine assessed to withstand two or three more wave strikes. As the first layer defense munitions run out, second and third layer expenditure rates will increase, reducing the ability to defend against Russian aerial attacks from all altitudes. So remember that date, May 23, um, is when this assessment says they are going to have reduced anti-air capabilities. Um, and as it says will increase so uh reducing the ability to defend against russian aerial attacks from all altitudes um so as we know the russian air force has not been committed as heavily as it could be um to this fight primarily because of air defense because the ukrainians have good old soviet you know s300 anti-air which is um enough to keep them at bay um, or has been at least so far so far um yeah but that, that date there 23rd of may is very important because if you just remember what we just saw April 30th is when the last, um, you know, brigade is ready. So they have three weeks then before they're going to start running out of decent air cover. Yeah. So, uh, obviously I think Russia have sort of been playing it correctly where, where they've been throwing effectively the cheapest weapons, mm. basically to, for this purpose of depleting, uh, the anti-air. Uh, mm. I think that's what, what the, attacks we got with um Iranian drones was about because a lot of these mm -hmm. weapons th these are very cheap to produce um mm. a little bit of a diversion but obviously with what happened uh, a few weeks ago with the Chinese balloon um, mm. over America and then a few weeks after that the South Koreans 
made a similar allegation that they'd shot down a North Korean balloon over their territory. And it mm -hmm. felt like this was the beginning of that sort of test and being able to put up things that effectively cost about $100 to make, can yeah. drop ordnance, but cost hundreds of thousands to shoot down. Right, 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 right. Yeah, this has definitely um, been a very clever tactic from the Russians. So those, those Shahed drones, I'm going to get the numbers probably a bit off here, but it's something like $10,000 to make one of the Shahed drones, and it's like 100000 to shoot it down. You know, so on the on the financial side, it's just, yeah, a, a losing game for the Russians, uh, for the Ukrainians, um, NATO. Um, and then the other thing is also just the quantity too. So not just the cost, but they can make a lot more of those um, and fire them off quite quickly. And then they're also, you know, firing empty missiles with no warheads. Um, but yeah, it seems pretty obvious that the, the strategy is to deplete the anti air because um, yeah. once they have, the Russians have a much bigger air force, and once they get the you know comfort of being able to use that air force that's going to change the situation on the ground very heavily. Um, yes, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, according to this, they've already run out of some stuff. So they ran out of SA-11s apparently yesterday. This was an assessment obviously made in February, but if this is accurate, they have already run out of SA-11s and they will run out on the 3rd of May of SA-10, which is the S-300. So a little bit confusing here. You've got two different naming systems. So the S-300 is the Russian name or ex-Soviet names and SA-10, SA-11 are the NATO names for the same things. Okay, yeah. Yeah, but, so these yeah, are uh, 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 missile systems, aren't they? The... Yeah, these are anti-air missile systems. All of these are anti different anti-aircraft missile systems. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't think we need to go through all of this. The The general point to see is that they are running out uh, and they've already run out some, out of some of the Na uh, the NATO supplied stuff has already run out. So Iris T ran out in February. Uh, that's the German supplied one, I believe. Um, and then you've got uh, NASAM's also running out today apparently and there are some coming in so patriot missiles which is probably one of the best american systems which is you know medium range medium to long range um yep. those are also coming in so they're being delivered that stuff and other older stuff like hawk which is also american is also on the way but there's the, the, you know negotiations and, and and inspections on the way as well um but overall uh the assessment says at the top may 23 they're going to start running out of stuff that can effectively uh, counter Russian air. So yeah, a bit of a mixed bag. So I think the, the other document we saw showing how, you know, 12 brigades are coming and they'll be probably launching attack from the 1st of May onwards. Yep. That's yep. quite alarming, I guess, for the Russians. This one is quite alarming for the Ukrainians that yeah. the, that if, if, if that assault, the spring offensive starts, the later it starts, the less air cover they're going to have unless NATO commits a bunch of uh, anti-air systems. Um, so effectively, NATO's come in with a load of armor, but don't worry because they haven't got anything to fire over them. So, <laughs> Right, 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 right. I've also heard that um, they're going to give bonuses to the Russians that kill the first Abrams tanks, the first American okay. Abrams tanks. So there's going to be a, a financial incentive for that, as you'd expect. Um, yeah. Any other final thoughts on this one then, Chris, for the aerial defense stuff? Um, no, I think I, I feel like we knew this before mm. the leaks so the uh it's yeah. good to be uh sort of validated with what we've been saying for a few weeks yeah yeah okay let's jump then on to the lethal aid from israel so this is the final document that you can see on um greenwald's site and other newspapers too uh and this one talks is more of a political document so what we're seeing here is 
the assessment from the Americans as to how and the likelihood of getting the Israelis to provide lethal aid to Ukraine. So um, you on the if you look at the sort of diagram, you've got the most plausible on the left, least plausible on the right. So um, I'll read the upfront brief here. So Israel has committed to providing non-lethal aid to Ukraine, comprised of intelligence, uh, counter UAS support, I'm not sure if that's correct, and a civil early warning system as it seeks to maintain its freedom of action in Syria by balancing its ties with the US and Russia. Netanyahu indicated Israel has considered providing Ukraine and uh, sorry, additional defensive systems and support at the UN. Uh, Jerusalem likely will consider providing lethal aid under increased US pressure or perceived degradation in its ties to Russia as a result of Moscow's actions uh, in relation to Iran or Syria that undermine Israeli interests. Okay, so that's their assessment. Um, yeah, so their most plausible situation is that they see Jerusalem adopts a Turkish model for Ukraine aid, which, what does that mean? It means Israel adopts Turkey's model, which is they do sell lethal aid defense systems or provides them through third-party entities. It openly advocates for a peaceful end to the conflict and offers to host mediation efforts. So yeah, Turkey still does have decent relations with Russia, but they do give those Bayraktar drones to the Ukrainians. So yeah. this is their most plausible thing. Uh, next one, Russia expands strategic assistance to Iran. So I'm not going to go through each of these, but basically their second most plausible thing is that if Russia starts giving fighter jets to Iran, then uh, then the Israelis would then give more lethal aid to the Ukrainians. So a tit, tit for tat, right? Option three, which is now le uh, less plausible, um, is uh, Israel expands outreach to the US for in relation to basically Russia giving um you know conventional weapons to syria uh as well as uh, yeah so basically if they if the russians give more better stuff to to syria then the, the least plausible is if russia gives like sams or s300 or s400s to iran um or and another sort of i think it says metal alloys so advanced stuff so if they give if the more the russians give to syria and iran basically then the more iran uh, israel will give to ukraine so that's the best way to look at this document the simplest way to look at this document. Yeah, this is top secret, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any, um, any other thoughts on that one? Because hmm. obviously Israel have got the Iron Dome. Um, yeah. And for, for as a lot of people have seen uh, repeatedly, whenever uh, conflict sort of s s stares up there, any rockets, like you can fire 15 rockets into Israel, very few will land anywhere of significance because the Iron Dome is very good at shooting them down. It's one of the most sophisticated anti-air systems in the world. Um, Israel, generally speaking, very tight with this system, um, mainly for the reason that they don't want anyone to get hold of it so it can't be backward engineered. Uh, so it would be devastating for Russia if Ukraine got this. Um, mm. I personally can't see this happening. I, I I don't see this happening, especially with the relation uh, revelations that we're going to get into very shortly. I think this is even less likely to happen now um, for reasons that we'll, we'll show soon. I can't mm. see Israel being overly willing to cooperate with the Americans in any overly helpful manner. So hopefully that's the case. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll actually bring up that now, which um, was this one here, right? So the Intel leak, which we've all been discussing, 
uh, US believes Israel can be pressured to supply lethal arms to Ukraine. Sorry, there's two articles. This is one. I think this is the one I want to go. Yeah, there we go. Ah, no, that's this. That's the other one. One second. It's the one from, is it Haaretz? Yeah, here we go. The leaked Pentagon. So this is from Haaretz, Israeli newspaper. Uh, and it talks about, oh God, it's a paywall. Okay. So, <laughs> so basically, um, me and Chris read this earlier. In this report, it talks about how Mossad were in favor of or helping the protesters who were protesting against Netanyahu's judicial reform. So if you if you follow the news, you'll know that there were these big protests in Israel about Netanyahu um, changing the, the, the law in Israel so that they could appoint the um, Supreme Court uh, more directly and override the courts, basically, yeah. taking yeah. power in the courts. So undermining the tripartite system, the separation of powers, if you will. Um, so yeah, this document said that Mossad was involved. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm struggling to find the, the US link to that. So if you mind reminding so us. I've got, I've got something here. So um, on the 1st of March, the CIA assessment said that according to the intercepted communications, leaders of Israelis intelligence services had backed protests against Benjamin Netanyahu's controversial attempt to overhaul the country's judiciary. Mossad leaders advocated for Mossad officials and Israeli citizens to protest against the new Israeli government's proposed judicial reforms, including several explicit calls to action that decried the Israeli government, the assessment said. Um, so, yeah, we, we were going to talk about this. We were going to do an entire episode on this, um, yeah. speculating that, as a few other commentators have had, I think even George Galloway brought this up in one of his episodes, that it seems that the ground is ready and ripe for a Western-backed, American-backed coup in Israel. America, mm -hmm. Israel is one of America's greatest foreign assets. And instability in that country is not something that they're going to abide. They'd put up with it in a lot of other countries, but they wouldn't abide it. In, they'll let France literally burn to the ground before they get involved in that. But Israel is something that they will not allow in any way, shape, or form. They, mm. it, it is, mm. It's their sphere of influence in the Middle East. It keeps all the Arab nations fearful and in check and un, unable to move. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So when Netanyahu gets ambitions bigger than America, that they're willing to move in and, and have him removed. And I think this is evidence that that is the direction that it's going. Uh, just to sidetrack completely, there was another uh, incident last week where members of the Israeli Air Force were refusing to take part in training in protest against the government. And mm. historically speaking, when you've got the army joining in protest against the government, this is very much is it, it's looking like it's that direction. I can completely see this happening. Yes. No, I, I agree with you. That's that's true. Um when, yeah, when troops start protesting, it's never a good sign. That's never a good one. Um, and I mean, we guess we still might do a special on the Ukraine episode. So if you do want us to do that, then send us a message yeah. and comment and like. And of course, while while we're here, while you're still listening, like, share, subscribe. Please hit the notifications bell. All of that stuff. Um, yes, we hit our mark of 250 subscribers. We'd like to get to a thousand at some point, but let's aim for 500 first. Um, that would be great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think we should still cover Israel next week if if there isn't another big revelation or another bunch yeah. of documents yeah. come out or something very big. We have to <laughs> we have to reply to this one because it's it's been big news. Um, yes. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I mean, talking about fallout, because that's what we're talking about. This is the fallout diplomatically from these leaks. So the other one, the other two big ones is Egypt and then South Korea. So I'll bring up Egypt first. So this one, you, I haven't uh, seen anyone sort of share documents uh, showing what they discussed. I think this one is quite, these might be leaked, um, you know, sort of proper sort of, you know, they might even name a source uh, who, who the source is. So this is probably why some news agencies have been a bit less willing to share um, those pieces because they might actually endanger uh, a national asset, potentially. I don't know. That's what some of the generals have been saying. You know, some of the people saying that we shouldn't be discussing this leak because it puts assets in danger. Um, nonetheless, yeah. let's assume Al Jazeera reported. So Al Jazeera says, yeah, yeah basically Egypt apparently we're supplying 40, so has supplied Russia with 40,000 rockets. Um, they deny it. Um, there's no basis in truth, apparently. But yes, this is awkward because Al-Sisi is, you know, he's, he, I mean, he likes America. He's big friends with America. He's yeah. who America yeah. put in after the, the Muslim Brotherhood took control after, um, what was his name? I've forgotten his name. His name also started with Morsi. an M. Uh, Morsi? Morsi? Morsi. Morsi? Yes. Mohammed Morsi. Yeah, I think that's the guy. Yeah. After he was overthrown in the Arab Spring. So uh, this is yeah. now their, their new... I venture to say a stooge, a puppet. I don't know. I, yeah, I know that this is the guy that Tony Blair described as the uh, rescue of democracy. Is ah. it? It was a. It was a general who yes, yeah, led a, a coup, coup, in a, coup yeah. against a, an elected government. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And and yes, and uh, they are good friends with America. So yes, basically, um, what is it? Forty thousand rockets. Let's see if there's anything else interesting here. Uh, artillery runs and gunpowder so yes basically this is the awkward one because um egypt yeah has been, been in trouble for this one and, and i think well it, it, the thing is that the u.s knew <laughs> that they had given them the Rus russians uh, that the egyptians had given the russians rockets because this is a u.s leak so it's not a surprise to the u.s government but it is awkward that everyone now has to address that and also the egyptians know yeah. that they know so it, you know yeah um there you go. The other one, of course, is then South Korea. So leaked documents and accusations of U.S. spying spark outrage in Seoul. So this is from the New York Times. Uh, the reaction to the leak in South Korea is perhaps the strongest so far as the Biden administration scrambles to contain the damage from apparent spying on allies. Um, yeah. Any thoughts on this one, Chris? Yeah. So this one I find really interesting because a lot of people don't really in the West, don't know too much about South Korean politics, especially in the, in the sort of socialist left. Um, then they know as much about South Korea as it's a Western creation and effectively was was a puppet regime of the West against as a bulwark against the communist North. The interesting thing is, in the public, that is also the perception. To a lot of people in South Korea, they feel that America have a disproportionate control over their politics. So this hitting the the media as it has, I think is going to inflame a lot of uh, tempers in, in the South Korean population. And it's going to upset a lot of people who are going to be mm -hmm. saying, why our government clearly knew this. There's no mm -hmm. way the South Korean government didn't know that they were being spied on. Yeah, the question would be, why didn't we act on it? And mm -hmm. what are you going to do now? Are you going to tell the Americans to leave? Are you going to? Is there going to be any public reprimand at all, or are the South Korean authorities going to brush it under the carpet? And and unfortunately, I feel like it is going to be the latter. I feel like it's going to be a case of, as you said, everybody knew about this, 
-hmm. This leak is the only people that are surprised by this. What's in these leaks is the public. Governments already knew all this information. Mm. Now mm. it's in the mm. public domain. Now it's going. To, now the question is, well, what are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, just to give the substance of what apparently was in the documents. So uh, it all comes down to arm, uh, artillery shells, those 155 millimeter artillery shells we discussed earlier. So the US has been pressuring the South Koreans to send these things. And the South Koreans have been saying that they would only do it if the end user was either the US. So we'll make the shells and we'll sell them to you only if they go to America. You are the end user. Or um, another deal was that they would be sent to um, Poland um but everyone knows if you're sending shells to poland i mean they're probably gonna end up in ukraine um, yeah, yeah that's almost making it sort of say like promise either you're using it or promise you'll never tell us who's using them yeah, so yeah. we've always got deniability that we can we can say we did not arm ukraine yeah we just armed somebody who's arming ukraine and obviously one of the reasons that according to the new york times that um this has been awkward well, why the Koreans are a bit tentative about sending the shells to Ukraine is they need the Russians to help them if, you know, in terms of negotiating and keeping a balance of peace or whatever yeah. with the North, with North Korea. Um, yeah. So, yes, that's the reason why. Um, I mean, there's a, the only other document I've got then, of course, is from the Global Times, uh, the... the um, Chinese newspaper the, yeah. and we do have some other documents so I don't know if we're going to go through all of those so maybe only one of them uh, is the freeze favorable to vehicle maneuver okay, one second just find that for you um, and there are the documents I'll just bring them up here but I don't, I don't I think we're going to go through all of those uh, so I'll just we'll just go through, maybe through the frozen stuff yeah, yeah. after that the only thing I, I've got here is I just want to go through a few I've got a few uh, basic bullet points of uh, revelations that were in the other documents, but that we've not got time to go through. So I'll just go through them as bullet points and we can just say our piece on each one, if, if that's okay. Okay, yeah, sure, 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 sure. Um, so I'll just show this one here then. This is freeze favorable to vehicle maneuver. Um, it shows you basically mud frozen ground timeline. So if you haven't been following, the mud at this time of the year in Ukraine is famous. It becomes this, it's got a word, Rasputza, I think, Rasputia, I think what it was called. But um, black sort of thick mud and vehicles are just sink in it. So this shows you when the ground is frozen because of winter and when it turns to mud and then when it's, um, you know, then good again, when it's, it's not, not, not so muddy. Um, as you can see on the timeline here, so only in mid-May, uh do you see the mud completely fade away so the mud is we're in the mud phase now so all of april is just mud uh and into you only start to get favorable conditions uh, i think the first week of may inwards so um looking at your lines here you got the blue line the yellow line and the green line so on the where the fighting is so donetsk for example if we assume based on these other documents which we're not going to go through right now um you know they're focused on donetsk and they're focused on uh, also kharkov access here uh is that which would be the yellow line the mud is only going to start being a factor halfway through may and then the green line that's to the north uh, blue line so blue line less of a problem so yeah um realistically again coming back to that 30th of april point which all the battalions are ready brigades are ready sorry the mud is only favorable a week later let's say um, and then remember may 23 
is when the air cover drops, assuming that the air cover hasn't improved and may have got worse, you're seeing a very tight window, right? Yeah. May 23 air cover stops and you have, you can only really advance properly after the first week of May. So there's only a two week window of, 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 of decent cover then, um, de decent operational conditions anyway, but yeah, Chris, let's get on to your, your bullet points then. Yeah. So just to go through a few other points that obviously these, in terms of these documents, uh, like I said, about a hundred have entered public circulation. Uh, apparently there's over, there's close to 300 in total that were leaked. Um, but most people haven't seen the full lot. Uh, so in terms of revelations that were in documents that we're not going to go through in full, uh, we've got that the US has achieved a deep penetration of most Russian security and intelligence services. Um, obviously, we, we've seen or we've heard revelations that highly suggest this in the past anyway. Uh, Russia does seem to have a huge spy problem. Obviously, this is Throwback from, from the Cold War, we're still very much in each other's uh, territories in terms of our spy game. I'm sure America, well, a sense of it, Russia don't even need spies in, <laughs> in the American military because the American military seems to be good enough at leaking the documents themselves. Um, yeah, so the FSB has accused Russia's defense ministry of obfuscating downplaying Russian casualties in Ukraine. Uh, we have touched a little bit on that. Mm. Russia is spying on its top allies, including President Vladimir Zelensky. Mm -hmm. uh, so that incredibly embarrassing. It'd be interesting to, if we do find the exact document of that, it'd be interesting to at least post that to find out to what extent he mm. is being spied on. Um, Russia's Wagner Group tried to purchase weapons from Turkey through Mali. Russia's Egypt's president selling rockets to Russia. We know that. Uh, Russia almost shot down a UK surveillance drone uh, plane next to Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Russia mm -hmm. intelligence officers claim the United Arab Emirates wanted to help work against the US and the UK. That mm. seems quite interesting. Um, mm. Obviously, it just sort of shows that the betrayal of, of a united front that is shown in the Western media isn't what it is and that Russia still has very many friends. Um, it does seem to be that people are sort of seeing it as a reckoning point of almost time to pick a side. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Russia hackers working with Moscow claim to have accessed Canada's natural gas infrastructure. Okay. Uh, Russia's Wagner Group mercenaries looked into working in Haiti. Uh, so obviously we saw this would have been last year, I imagine, where the... Where the, the Prime Minister was assassinated, yeah. Yeah, and uh, the Americans basically were talking publicly about the possibility of them effectively invading Haiti. Uh, they yeah. didn't use the word invading Haiti, but it was invading Haiti. Mm. Mm. Um, so China held secret negotiations with Nicaragua about building a new port in the Caribbean. That would be very interesting if that, if anything comes of that. Um, mm -hmm. And this last one, Serbia, a quasi-ally of Russia, has agreed to arm Ukraine. Yes, that one is very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in terms of like Russian, uh, Serbian relationships, obviously the governments are friendly enough with each other. What's mm -hmm. really strong about that is the, the population of Serbia are much more 
friends with Russia than the government of Serbia seem to be at the moment. Um, yeah. yeah. It seems to be that, as with a lot of former Yugoslav countries, they seem to want to have the cake and eat it. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, so it seems that they, they're almost playing both sides. But you can't blame them by the sound of it. It seems that half of NATO are playing both sides, like Turkey. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, a little bit disappointing, if true. Yeah, I think the Russians would be very disappointed in that. It is also a bit strange. I mean, these are the, the Serbs who were bombed by NATO, um, not yeah. even, what, 25, not even 25 years ago. Um, you know, the, the bridges, the hospitals, uh, and also, I mean, I think the Chinese might be also Chinese giving them a look at the embassy that was bombed, um, which actually I was listening to, it might have been um, the Duran or one of the other talk shows, is that it has now come out that um, that was not, that was intentional. It wasn't um, an accident. Guided munitions were not <laughs> accidentally um, hit a, a clearly marked embassy um, yeah. because the Chinese were actually um, supplying the Serbians uh, or helping them in some way. But anyway, yeah, um, I think that if uh, there's 300 documents and bear in mind these were sitting uh, in, a, in servers on Discord servers and all sorts of servers for, for months before they were found, um, these are not going to go away anytime soon, as much as the Western sort of authorities would like them to. Um, they are being published by by newspapers and being looked at. Um, you can find them. They're a little bit difficult to find, but, you know, um, they are out there. Uh, if you want us to go into any more of these, then, um, yeah, please tell us to do so. Um, I haven't got anything else more to add to this, Chris. Any final thoughts for yourself? Any contributions? Um, no, obviously, other than the fact that if anybody out there who watches us is a disgruntled member of the US uh, military, uh, please do send us anything that you've managed to find and we'll we'll post it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm expecting an airstrike on your, your house. Pretty soon. <laughs> okay. Cool. All right. Well, thank you everyone for watching and uh, please like, share, subscribe, hit the notifications bell. And in the comments, please give us any advice, guidance, tips, or thoughts for the future. And we'll see you next week. See you next week. Thank you. Bye-bye.